Senior Times podcast. My name's Conor O'Hagan. Next month, an old friend of Senior Times will begin podcasting for us. Mary O'Rourke has had so many roles in public and private life over the years that it's hard to know where to start in introducing her, and it's probably unnecessary in any case. So when I spoke to her recently at her home in Athlone, I took the easy option and asked her to do it for herself. I think you've hit it just exactly the nail on the head. I've been, as you said, all sorts of things. A student, a teacher, a secondary school teacher, married woman, children, um, difficulty in conceiving all of that fertility area of life, uh, and then going for local elections, going for the doll, getting in, how odd that was, Dahl and Senator, combining different roles, managing a home 80 miles away in Dublin while my children were at a, a sort of a sensitive age, you know, of 9, 10, 11, 12, two sons. Luckily, a wonderful husband, a wonderful husband who believed in long before there was equality or glass ceilings that you would break or anything. He believed women had a right to be out there working if they wanted to. And he had a job in town. I was able to be home at six o'clock in the evening. So that meant that I was free. Now, that didn't stop me worrying, Connor. I always worried. What would they do without me? How would they be getting on? Oh, oh, oh. And if, if they turned out bad, it was all my fault. Women are inclined to do that, yes. to put the blame yeah. on their own shoulders. And I would come home and I'd be checking. I'll tell you a funny little story. I've told it many times, so perhaps you've heard it. I used to cook a chicken and stuff it beautifully with herbs and sausage meat and everything and put it in the fridge before I would go. And at this stage now, Fargo was gone away to Dublin to college. But Angus and Enda, Angus, my younger son, Mm -hmm. they're all there and their progeny. Angus, my younger son and Enda were left in the house. Angus was going, he was in doing leaving search, I think. And I was stuffed. And then I noticed the chicken wasn't eaten to be a little bit hacked, but not much. So I said to Angus, why aren't you eating the chicken when I'm away? I'll tell you, ma, he said, but don't tell dad I told you. We go out, Angus, Ender comes home, he said, talking about his dad. And he says, we go, chicken? Oh, no, Angus, we go out to the Chinese, you and I, and we'll have a good Chinese dinner. Of course, Angus was only delighted. So they were getting on just fine. And... Angus was kind of an edgy lad. He wasn't in great shape with Enda, mm-hmm. and I worried about that too. But it fairly knocked the edges off him to be here with Enda. And they got into a kind of a climate of acceptability and understanding. So I've wondered about where I am. That was part of my life. A big part of my life was that. But you see, it was kind of overlaid by the fact that I was 80 miles away. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I couldn't come home and hop into them or anything like that. I went on a Monday and I came home on a Friday. But I used to say, but luckily, the boat turned out fine. So if they go wrong now, it's nothing to do with me. They they married and have loads of children, four in Athlone and two in Dublin. So then I morphed into being a grandma when they started to come. And that was, O'Connor, 
I don't know about your marital status, but I can tell you that being a grandma is about the most wonderful time of my life. I cannot explain it to you. The four children are in Athlone. They're my second son, Angus and Lisa and kids. And Fargal is in Dublin and he's Lisa and he's Maeve and their two children. I'm agog about the kids, what they're doing, what stage they're at what exam they're doing. So being a grandma, and I'm as anxious about them as their parents are. Are you happy to be just that, or do you, do you need other roles in life as oh, well? Oh, I to... need other roles. Yeah. And all my life, I was keen on talking. Now, it isn't just talking for toxic, but I liked conversation. I like talking to you now. I like talking to somebody when I go up to my supermarket, the woman beside me at the counter when she's getting her goods um, and we chat and we talk and she tells me who she is and I say to myself after wasn't that a nice little interlude just the discussion we had I like talking I like seeing people out with kids so I like talking so I do a lot of radio I like radio particularly because you don't have to worry how you look you don't have to put on the face or the hair you can just be yourself and just talk Our health service is here for you this winter and we're taking every step to protect you from COVID-19. Our services are open and working from routine appointments to urgent care. Remember to check your prescriptions and keep a list of your medicines handy and look out for your Keeping Well This Winter booklet in the post. Visit hse.ie or call HSE Live on 1850 24 1850 for more information. From the HSE. You're almost a national grandmother. Sort of, yeah. You haven't been the first to say that. Uh, Some say national auntie, but Mm. I like the grandmother because there's so much of my life now is being a grandma. Mm. So I think, yes, So and I'm an older person. And when I am on programmes, I quickly realise if I am meant to be that voice on that programme because I look at the others, what ages they might be and all of that. So I've adapted to that role. Yeah, and the experience that you have, of course, from from your long life in politics and also outside of politics, Mm. which is almost equally important. My teaching career has led to that. Now, I only taught for seven years, seven years, because I I came home with a BA when I was just 20, a BA from UCD. And my father said, what are we going to do with you now, like sort of thing. And I was the youngest of the four. There was Brian and Paddy and my sister Anne. And after five years, there was me. You know the way, long time Irish families, that's the way they were. They had one more go at it. We try again and they produce me. So my father said, now what should we do with you? I don't want to be a teacher, I said. Imagine, which I turned out to love. So he said, oh, well, now your sister has gone off. She got married the year when I came home with my degree. And he said, you'll stay with my mo- with mom and I and you'll help us run the hotel. So that was fine, the Hudson Bay Hotel outside Athlone. So I made the beds and washed the dishes and served in the bar and was a general dog's body. Meanwhile, my father and mother ran it. It's now a big... Taj Mahal with about I don't know how many extensions in our time it was a small Queen Anne mansion a small Queen Anne mansion with 12 bedrooms so in that year when I was dog's body in the hotel I met Enda my husband to be and I met him in that year and I was quite happy I was earning money 
what about my degree that has gone by and I'd sail off with Enda every night he'd an old Ford prefect and I was 20, 21 when I got engaged when I was 21 married when I was 22 so then we I left the hotel obviously though I continued to work in it and, and we moved in here and I was married to Enda O'Rourke Mary Lenehan married Enda O'Rourke and so that was my BA was a long time ago. Yeah. But after I had my first son, I'd fargal after four years of marriage. Don't ask me. There's I don't know should I go into all of that or would it be useful for your podcast? I'm not so sure. But I could my sister and two brothers were all married two years before I and they all had child number one and child number two and child number three. So I thought, Connor, there was nothing for me to do, only I would be pregnant immediately. And so a year went by, no pregnancy. Two years went by, I began to get kind of worried. I was only 23, 24. And you know people are looking at you as well. Oh, yes. And Mm -hmm. you say, no news yet. No news yet. (laughs) So this would be going on. And now my mom never asked me. She just my mother was a great bridge player. She played bridge for Ireland, and really? my mother was forever involved with her bridge buddies planning the next outing. So Mary was satisfactorily married. Fair enough. That's her own business now. Let yeah. her plough on. But I think my dad a couple of times would never said it to me. No, no, no. He never intruded. But anyway, Enda and I were talking about, it and I said to Enda, "I'm going to see." Eamon de Valera, he was a gynaecologist at that time in Dublin. He'd be a son of the Eamon de Valera. And uh, it's funny, when I tell people this story now, they say to me, oh, did you have to go to a Fianna Fáil man? (laughs) Nothing whatsoever to do with it. He was an eminent gynaecologist, and so he suited. So up I went, I took the train. Thinking of it now, I was quite a brave young woman of what, 22, 25, yeah, 25. Mm. Enda said, off you go. If I have to go, I'll go another time. So I went in to see him and he said, yes, you seem very healthy to me. And And now I didn't go through the local GP. I made the appointment myself. I looked him up and and made the appointment. People usually go to those people, but through their local GPs. Mm -hmm. But anyway, away I went and he said, no, I think you'll become pregnant. I think you will. So you're very young and your husband is very young. Ender was two years older than me. Ender was quite happy to go up to him. I mean, Dublin was all over there and nobody knew anything about anything yes. down here. Yeah. So he said, fine. And then Eamon de Valera, Dr. de Valera rang one day and he said, I'd like you both to come to the matter because he was going to do a test on Enda's semen. Yeah. Now, this was very advanced way back. And Enda a bit bopped at that now, you know. And yeah. he said, oh, God, Mary, listen, I said, I'll be with you. It's like we're sitting at home in a room. Don't worry about it. So anyway, he said, oh, OK. So up we went to the matter. And we met Dr. De Valera there. And he calmed Enda down. And we had intercourse in a nicely appointed room, not as nice as this, obviously, but a nicely cosy mm, little yeah. room. And we had intercourse and Enda said, Usher, there's nothing to that. But wasn't he great? I mean, none of his pals would do things like that. So anyway, about three days later, he got a letter. Dear Mr. O'Rourke, 
I am happy to inform you that your semen has proved to be 100% viable and mutable. It's a good story, That's isn't it? a great it? story, yeah. yeah. And he said, now he never said to me, it's up to you now, honey. But anyway, that was, so he was glad he went, very happy that he went. And I thought, what an easy way out of it. He knows yeah. now. So six months later, I got pregnant and I had my first son. And I was always glad. I remember when we brought him home and Enda said to me, I'm so happy it's a boy, Irishmen and their sons. So anyway, we had Fargal. And then he was a, love, a bowel child, very crying all night. Oh, don't talk to me. But anyway, life went on. And then I, yes, when he was two, when he was two, my father came to see me. And he's, uh, one day, the, he used to come in every day when they lived about a mile out of town. Or the, in the meantime, they sold the hotel. My father used to come in every day to get the papers and all that. And he'd always call to me and we'd have a cup of tea and chat and talk. I was very close to my dad. And uh, so one day he came in, he said, have you seen the Irish Times today? And I said, no, I'm going to put Fargal into the buggy and stroll up to the shop and get the paper. He said, they're opening up to take in non-priestly uh, students and people who don't want to be nuns or priests. They're taking in outsiders into Maynooth. And yeah. the first course they're doing is the H-dip, which you did on top of your BA if you wanted to teach yeah. higher diploma in education, H-dip in ed. Would you consider doing it? He, I think he always felt he had stymied me at age 20 and said, stay at home and help your mom and I run the hotel, you know, and that he couldn't see me settling down, Mrs. Suburbia, one child, maybe another, maybe another. Mm. He couldn't, he could see me not happy. And I said, oh, but Pop, I said, who'll mind Fargal? Fargal was two. And I said, how could I go? Who'll mind my little treasure that they were all loving and yeah. adoring? <laughs> and he said, you'll get a young girl. I'll pay her, he said, I'll pay her. And he said, and I put petrol every week into that rockety old car you had. I had an old Woolsey, a real old Woolsey. I put petrol every week in that. You applied to do the course. And I did. And I put an ad in my local paper. Person going to Manu to do HDIP seeks fellow travellers. And I got three replies. I am a great believer in the local paper. Now, they didn't. I drove the car always. They had kind of faith. One was a nun, a Bower nun in the Bower convent. One was um, teaching without a H-dip, but teaching in the Morris College. And one was a woman who was a BCom and she did taxation matters. So the four of us used to set off for Maynooth every evening at five o'clock. And f we got a lovely young girl, Mary Flood, to mine Fargal. And I can still see him. We'd a gate that time at the front. And he used to swing on the gate and he'd tell everyone, my mammy going to ghoul. He's going to school. My mammy going to ghoul. We told him I was going to school. <laughs> yes. Which I was. And we were, all four of us went off and we did our H-dip. And the four of us got it, which was great for kind of the Brother O'Sullivan, who um, did the course, said, I should give it to you for endurance coming the distance. We would have come the farthest distance, I'd say. But anyway, we enjoyed it. I loved it. I, and going home, we did a tutorial, the four of us. So we didn't need to study when we got home. 
because we had talked over all the lectures you see it was really great so we came home and we all got our hitch dip and as soon as we did Donna O'Malley had brought in in 66 free secondary education I got three phone calls that summer from three secondary schools in Athlone the Morris College the um, the one where I eventually went Sisters of Mercy Secondary School and another vocational school would I come and teach so I did and my teaching career opened up and I loved it oh Connor of all of the little bits of careers I've had over my life I loved teaching because I loved going in every day to that classroom there were girls of maybe 15 16 budding young women and the chat and the talk and the way we'd get on together I adored it I really did there was never a day I didn't want to go to school, if you know what I mean. Now, in the meantime, I've jumped over a big period of my life in which we adopted our second son, Angus. When after I I came home with my HDP in Ed and I started teaching, I got kind of three years, Fargal was coming on to four years. And back I go to Dr. De Valera again, knowing he wouldn't want to see end of this time. And I said, look, and there's no sign of another child. There's no difficulties in our personal relationships. Mm-hmm. So why isn't it happening? I often think he knew more than he let on. He said, well, maybe you're going to have a small family. And had you thought first, yes, I'd like to adopt, I said, just like that. And he said, oh, I see. Yes, yes. And I said to him, do you know anything about adoption? <laughs> oh, he said, yes, of course I do. So what I might do, if it suits you, from time to time, I have an unmarried girl as a client. Her parents would bring her in and I would, would you like a boy or a girl? Here we were discussing, oh, I'd like a boy because I've reared a boy, I said. So he said, fine, well, we'll see about that. So then on the 3rd of September of 1968, Fargal was born on the 4th of August of 1964. On the 3rd of September in 1968, I got a phone call from Dr. De Valera. You will be soon getting a lovely son. And I think, wasn't I so lucky? Because he knew the mother and father. He he knew the, the girl who had, she was a Trinity student. That's all he told me. And five days later five days now it was all done proper there's a, a very set up a few years before that by brian lenehan my brother my elder big brother yes and he was minister for justice there was an adoption board and uh, de valera dr de valera worked through the adoption board so five days later end and i went up to dublin to dr de valera's offices and there was a nurse in her navy and white and baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and she laid it in my arms five days later sure he could have come out of me and then he put through the adoption papers and we had to go up to the adoption society and we went through that lasts for 12 months because you cannot the mother can come back and claim the baby up to 12 months in ireland which is a good thing Clearly she didn't. And yeah. you know what I often love? I would love if she knew how happy she made me 
how really yeah. happy she made me and how happy my second son has turned out to be. And Fargal, <laughs> Fargal for a long time thought that's how you got babies. There was, Bernardo's got out a very good book at the time, Bernardo's, the charity Bernardo's, yes. on how to tell your child they are adopted. And of yeah. course, nothing daunted, I sent or went up to Eason's and bought the book, Lesh booklet. And it was very good that at such a stage you would say such a thing to your child mm. and then at another stage you'd say and I followed it to the letter and it worked out. Great. Angus always knew he was adopted and he absorbed the information as he could. And one of the fairy tales that you told him in the beginning was there was this mammy and she was very sick and when she had you, she couldn't mind you. She was so sick, she was going to die. And she asked me if I'd mind you. That's the beginning of the story. But then the story built up and he always knew he was adopted. So that's, sorry. <laughs> anyway, after all that then, I went teaching, yes, and I loved it. And then I got very involved politically in the local organisation, the Fianna Fáil organisation. I joined the Common and I became the secretary of the Common. And then local elections rolled around, around mm. and they asked me if I'd like to run to be a town councillor. So I said, now I was mid-30s maybe at this stage. Well, no, Angus was five, Fargo was nine. And I said to Enda, what do you think, Enda? I said, yeah, wouldn't it be fine? There's meet it's The meeting of a town councillor was only at night time. It, county council was kind of all day, endless meetings. So yes. I went for the town council and I got in. The kid would come to the door and I'd say, can I speak to your mammy or daddy? And she'd run back in and she'd say, it's the teacher from school. It's the teacher from school, ma'am. So I became the town councillor, the first woman. And like, oh yes, on the town council, nine members, one, eight men, one guy, one woman. And it never struck me. That's why when people talk now, Connor, about breaking ceilings, I say, what are you going on about? And I think I walked into that town council chamber and it never struck me I was making history. Never. It just... I was elected by the people and my job was to be there. Things were changing and I was part of the change. And I loved being the town councillor. I didn't say much at the beginning, but I found my feet and talked and did, yeah. And then I gradually talked and talked and talked. And then the next five years went by and my children got older and Enda and I were very happy. We, he was delighted to have me with that interest. Yeah. My father had died now in the meantime, and they had asked me if I would go for the doll. But I had adopted Angus, and I said, no, I wouldn't like to, because I want to rear him past three or four years of age anyway. You see, part of the adoption was that you gave great, you so many hours were to be with your child. Mm, yes. And I didn't think I could run off and be a TD and care for Angus. So I said, no, no, I said, quite blithely, I said, no, thank you, I don't want it. Then the county council came up and I went for that and I got in. Yeah, I was elected in that um, November of 82, November of 82, yes. And I went into the door, we were in opposition under Charlie Hawley and Gareth the Good and Dick Springs were the up were the government of yeah. the day and um so they were nearly five years there were four and a half so that 
I got used to the doll and the chamber and talking. There's people to do it now. I believe they have facilitators, very nice women and men who show you. In my time, no, I walked in, Enda brought me up and um, the Irish Independent had a big picture of Enda, myself, Fargal and Angus. And Fargal, who's the more serious, my older child, he's looking very thoughtful as if to say, what's all this going to mean? Angus is all happy, happy out. He was having a day off school and Enda and myself. I went into the door that day and I asked the porter inside, where's the loo? Where's yeah. the women's loo? Yeah. And he showed me there was no woman's room. There was nothing. And I found the woman's loo and that was it. I found the library and research. You just poked your way around. That's all you could do. There was no special thing. But we were five years in opposition, which was great because I learned the ropes and I found out where I was and where I should be. And this is interesting because as a kind of a marker, if you like, for the way I was going to do my political career, I we got in in November. By the time the doll assembled, it was the end of November. Now, I said to Enda, I'm going to speak early on in the doll. So I did John Bruton who was the Fine Gael leader of the house, he had brought in a committee system. He's never given any credit for it, but he brought in the committee system. Mm. And I spoke on that. I put down my name. I found out how you got to speak. You put down your name and I put down my name. And I spoke in favour of the committee system. And I remember afterwards, John Bruton, I met him in the cafeteria or whatever, and he said, that was a fine speech. You'll do well, he said. You'll do well. I always remember it. But I kind of treasured it in my heart. And I said, well, I'm glad now I... I you know, yeah. it, it got said and all that. But then we came home for the Christmas recess. And End and I, that was our living room. There wasn't this lovely room. We were reading the Sunday papers and the two kids were gone off playing or doing things, football or rowing or something. And Enda said, oh, I see Charlie Hawhey is forming his shadow front bench tomorrow. And we talked about that. I never dreamt. But anyway, after about an hour of, I, get, I proceeded to get the lunch and the phone went and I answered it and this voice said, could I speak to Mrs. Mary O'Rourke? And I said, this is Mary O'Rourke. Oh, Charlie Hawhey here. So I said, oh, hello, Mr. Hawhey. We were very polite in those days yeah. and he was the boss. So I said, oh, hello, Mr. Hawhey. He said, I'd like you up in the morning. I'm forming my front bench and I'd like you to be the shadow minister for women's affairs. Now, do you know what I said to him? Because Enda was here. Enda could only hear my conversation, not Charlie's. Yes. And I said, I don't want that job. Thank you. Here was I, a little a little neophyte, piping up. I don't want that job. Thank you. Oh, pray, why not? I'll tell you why, I said. There's an excellent woman for women's affairs in Garrett Fitzgerald's government. But it's not that. I don't want to be put in a box with Mary O'Rourke, women's affairs. So talk about contraception, send for Mary O'Rourke. Talk about divorce, send for Mary O'Rourke. I talk about those things anyway, but I don't want to be... Oh, I see. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Right, and is there anything else you're interested in? And I said, oh, I like education. But anyway, I didn't. So he said, huh, hmm. So Ender was there and Ender said, 
that's you, F-E-C-K-E-D. Yeah. Anyway, you won't hear again <laughs> from him. Why didn't you take it? Oh, he was sort of bewailing the fact that I didn't take I said, oh, yeah. Anyway, a couple of hours later, the phone went again. Hello, that you, Mary? Charlie Hawhey here. Yes, Mr. Hawhey. I'd like you to be up in the morning. I'm going to appoint you Shadow Minister for Education, opposite Gemma Hussey. Now, that's what made me, Connor. She was a very upfront, demanding, properly type of woman. Well able to talk, well able to stand her ground, well able to present her opinion. In fact, she was a very fine parliamentarian and I was her opposite number, her shadow minister. So that really woke me up in a big way. I had to be as good as her. I had to be able to answer her. I had to put forward policies. I had to bring them to the front bench and get them accepted. And Charlie treated his shadow group as if they were the real thing. We had meetings on Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. And if you weren't there in time, just don't come in. He was very strict and proper and right. So I really learned my parliamentarian language and carry on. So then I went from, then we got in, in 87, he appointed me Minister for Education. And then I went on from that, you know, to different things. The rest is history. Yeah. And that time it struck me, God, you've had a great run of it, Mary. I guess you haven't that many years to go. But you've worked to be done yet. I think I've a lot of work to be done. I, I write a lot of articles mm. so that you know what I'm at. I write a thousand words a week for the local free paper called The Advertiser. It, adver- it runs in Mayo, Galway and Westmead. And that's my Tuesday job. It comes out on a Thursday. So on Tuesday, I write that thousand. There's a bit of a tyranny, you know, about a weekly and I get up on Tuesday morning and I'm on the phone blah, 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 and she, oh come on Mary get just get and do it then I write for the senior times I love that piece because I ramble I talk I write as I talk and I res- I respect the type of magazine it is and I would never go wrong or all political or anything so then I write articles for the Sunday Independent from time to time, only when the mood strikes me. If something hits me that I like to write about it, I'll dash it off and I'll send it in. And sometimes they do it and sometimes they don't. And the good news is that from January, Mary O'Rourke will be doing it for us here on the Senior Times podcast. We're looking forward to it and we look forward to your company. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash seniortimes.ie.